Welcome to the Winback Marketing Podcast. There's gold buried in your lost customers. And in this podcast, you'll learn how sales and marketing leaders mine that gold using Winback Marketing. This week, my guest is Steve Hall, Australia's leading C-level sales authority. In this episode, Steve shares a number of really interesting insights into Winback from a C-suite perspective. He also shares a fascinating story and gives us an overview of selling into the C-suite. Steve is a true master of his craft with insights for everyone. But if you sell a higher priced product, I think you really love what Steve has to share. Welcome, Steve. Thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Before we get to Winback, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your business? Okay. I got my first proper sales job when I was 42. So I had a little business background there, which I think was a big advantage. And I was selling ERPs. For those that don't know, an ERP is a system that pretty much runs a company. It does finance, it does warehousing, distribution, pretty much everything. Most, you know, all, all major companies have got an ERP system. And that's an interesting situation because people don't just suddenly wake up one day and say, oh, I think I'll go out and buy a new ERP. It's a big, big decision. It costs a lot of money. It takes anything from six months to two years to implement it. So it's a, you know, it, it, it's a big sales. And that's my major sales background. I worked there doing that for, in various roles. I ended up in charge of sales and marketing worldwide for the company I worked for, a small Australian company. We got bought by a larger Swedish company. I became a global account manager and, and moved to Paris to work on some big deals. And then I decided it was time to, to leave. So I came back and got into sales consulting. And the thing is, there's more sales consultants than you can poke a stick at. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, you know, what, what is a specialty I can get into that I've got experience with? And I thought, well, I've worked with a lot of senior executives, both as a salesperson, but also before that, when I was a professional services manager and when I was a marketing manager. And so I've got a lot of experience dealing with uh, senior executives. So I've, I, I decided that I was Australia's leading authority on C-level sales. And eventually people started to call me that. So now that's what people call me, whether it's true or not, it's a different matter. Well, I remember seeing uh, one of your videos. There was a phenomenal speech that you gave about selling into the C-suite. So... I'll be one of those people who call you a leader in selling into the C-suite. Well, I appreciate that. (laughs) Can you tell me one of your favorite stories about winning back a lost customer or winning a customer that that didn't buy originally? Yeah, there was one particular example back in the, uh, it was 1997. And that's quite relevant because Y2K was coming up. And uh, Sanyo, the electronics company, had an old Fujitsu system that ran their company that wasn't going to work. After, 19, after, after the 31st of December 1999. So they had to replace it. They had no choice. And so we specialized, the company I dealt with specialized in two areas, book publishing and consumer electronics distribution. And Sanyo is consumer electronics distribution. So I, I talked to them and said, look, you know, okay, let me ask you, what's the most important thing that you're looking for in a new system? And the, the, the CFO said, I was the finance director actually, the same thing said, look, it's safety. We can't afford this for this to go wrong. I said, well, look, we're the people you should talk to because we've already got, we already do all the things that you want to do in our basic package. And we have got customers who are very much like you. We've got JVC and we've got um, other, other companies that exactly the same as you. So we can implement really quickly. So they went through their evaluation process and they had this young IT manager 
and he was tasked with choosing the system. And he decided he was going to go with SAP. Now, I didn't know at the time, but the reason he wanted to go with SAP was because SAP was new and exciting, and he wanted SAP in his resume. And the other thing was that our software ran on what was the AS400, which is an, a, what was considered an old-fashioned IBM piece of hardware, and he wanted to work on a new one. So I said to him, look, this is ridiculous. I said, SAP hasn't got any customers in this country that, that, that are like you, and it costs an arm and a leg. It's, you're not going to be able to do it. And they said, oh, no, no, we, we've made our decision, so... Okay, fair enough. I said, but it's, you know, you're not going to be able to do it in the time frame or for the money. And about six months later, they came back to me and said, oh, look, you were right. It's going to cost us much more than we thought and take much longer than we thought. Right? So we went through the process again. And then they said, oh, no, we're going to go with J.D. Edwards. I thought, I said, well, I'm not because J.D. Edwards actually also went on the AS400. And they did have some expertise in that. I mean, not as much as us, but they still had some expertise. So that was not an unreasonable choice. And they said, we're going with J.D. Edwards One World. I said, hang on, J.D. Edwards One World doesn't run on the AS400. It runs on Microsoft MT. It's a new product. And not only is there no one in Australia, in your industry using it in Australia, there's no one in Australia using it. I said, that is the riskiest thing you could possibly do. And the IT manager said, no, no, we're definitely done with that. They've showed us they can do it. So, so I went to the CFO and I said to the CFO, look, I said, you told me the risk was important to you. And I said, this is a really risky decision. I'll actually write a letter. I said, we wish you all the best. I hope it works for you. But if it doesn't work, please let us know because we can help you out in an emergency. And in early 1999, they came to us and they said, oh my God, it's sat the IT manager by then. They came to us and they said, look, we, we, we can't do it with the JDA. It was the, that we need features that aren't going to be released until 2002. So help. And so we said, sure, yeah, give us lots of money, pay full this price, no discounts. And we had them up and running in about September 1999. So that wasn't, that was, a, that was bad salesmanship on my part because I hadn't understood that the IT manager was looking for notches on his resume and, and, and that risk, and I wasn't able to leverage the risk argument, but eventually it worked. So if you would have known that, the manager wanted to have, you know, just wanted something on his resume. What, what could you have done, even if you did know that? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I did, I, I did prosecute that argument. I did speak to the CFO, but the CFO was very hands off. He didn't want to get involved. And he basically he said, he said, he said to me, "Look, that's not my decision. That's his decision. And if it's wrong, he's gone." I said, "Well, that's not a particularly mature attitude when your company depends upon it." But she didn't say that to him. I thought that. So you know, I'm not sure what I could have done, but. I don't I, know the answer to that. No, I hear you. Well, I mean, what I could have done is what I did do. I said in writing, best of luck, and if you screw it up, come and see us. So did you reach out to them on a regular basis? Like, I mean, you, you seem to have, have had at least a couple of conversations after you lost the deal. Like, was that you reaching out to them or them reaching out to you? After we lost the deal, after we were told we lost the deal, I, I spoke to the CFO. He said, no, so it's not my decision. We've delegated it. So I said, okay, send me notes. And I wrote the letter and said, best of luck. This is why I think it's going to fall in a heap. And if it does, we can help you. We can help you. And then I left them, left them to it. And they, they, they came back to us. So you had a number of competitors. So they chose two bad ones. And... And you're the only, you're like the last man standing. Is that, is that basically what the situation was? Or well, they we, could have. We'd gone up, 
we've gone a different route. Our route had been, we have got, our route had been, our software does what you want. It's already, you can, you can implement it off the shelf. It, it covers it. It's, our customers deal with your customers. So in other words, we already have people doing what you do using our software. So we know we can implement it and you can use it immediately. They had gone the, oh, we want the best technology. We want a best of breed singing, dancing technology solution. And that was a wrong approach. So it wasn't so much that it wasn't so much that there were, we were the last man standing. We were, we were the only first people that had focused on their business requirements rather than on their technology requirements. So, you know, you, you're all about selling into the C-suite, going to the, the real the final decision makers, the ones who should be concerned most about business decisions, not about putting something on their resume. So from wh where you stand now, if you were to sell into a, a customer that had been lost, like let's say it's a SaaS company or any, any company you wish, like what would you do to go and try to win back that customer by going into the C-suite? What would you do specifically? Well. I mean, look, like everything, it depends. It depends why they left you. It depends if they've got, if they've got a five-year sales contract or if they've just bought a new, a new truck and the truck fell off a cliff. I mean, there's a, a whole heap of different scenarios. So, but the, but the first question is, you know, why did they leave you? The second question is, what relationships do you have with them? And the third question is, what do you know about them? And what do you know what the, 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 the that's the, the, the important to them. And, and why would they go back to you after they've made the decision to go with someone else? They're all things to take into account. And do you go to the C-suite? Again, that depends. It depends who, make, who made the original decision. It depends who can override that decision. And it depends on what it's worth. If it's, you know, if it's, if it's $1,000 a month SaaS solution, then the CEO is unlikely to get that involved, directly involved with it. Unless if that particular thing that you sell falls over and their company is in danger because of it. So it, it's a risk rewards thing. I mean, I've got a client that sells accounts payable and accounts receivable automation. And as he says, you know, our software is great. It saves them money. It does lots of great things, but if it doesn't work, they can still get their invoices out and they can still pay their suppliers. So it's not mission critical. Whereas, you know, a one little bit of software might be a, a cog in a big wheel. And if it stops, the entire wheel stops. So there are a lot of things to take into account, but if you're talking to at the C's at the C level, then you've got to talk about the things that they care about. CEOs care about they care about profitability. They care about risk, particularly. They care about making the company more efficient. As CFOs tend to care about those things, but money as well. CMOs and chief sales officers care about different things. So the question is, what are they missing? by not having your solution and why would they come back to you when they made a decision to go somewhere else? And the obvious answer is because for something else didn't work or, or isn't giving them what they wanted. And the other thing is, of course, that often the people that use what you sell aren't happy with a new solution, but they make do because they've got to make do, they've been told to. So a lot of things to think about. I mean, I hate saying it depends, but it does. So. Are there any general rules that you've got for selling into the C-suite? I'll answer that in two ways, right? All general rules in sales are flawed because the sales come as a massive, massive, massive area. So to some degree, there are no general rules. 
But but for what? And one general rule I would say, whatever you're selling, whoever it is, whether it's one-to-one or whether it's to, to the C-suite or to lower down, you need to talk about what they care about in their terms and focus on how you can help them succeed. And 95% of salespeople talk about themselves and their product and what their product does. Even when you're talking about moving from features to benefits, okay, the feature, the project, product is this, the benefits are to you are that, but you're still looking at it from your own internal perspective. And what's a benefit to one person, what's a value to one person, isn't necessarily a value to another. So as I said before, the CEO cares about different things to the CMO. So a benefit to the CEO is irrelevant to the CMO and vice versa. So you really just start thinking about what does this particular person or group of people care about that I can help them with, rather than here's a bloody great list of their benefits from my product. So a a massive list of benefits. So I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? No, no, I was going to say the, the, the general rule is think about what is important to them and what their priorities are. So in, in selling to someone for the first time or trying to win them back or trying to save a lost deal, it sounds like you would have a, one message for the CEO, one message for the CMO, one message for the you know, CFO, like something different, whatever they care about. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that, you can, that, 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 that diff, they have different emphases. So, I mean, let's face it, saving money, raising revenue. You know, the CFO cares about the CEO cares about the C. As the chief sales officer cares about, the chief marketing officer cares about them, right? But they would probably care about them, about different aspects of them. See, there are some messages that, that I hate the word resonate, but there's some messages that click with, with everyone, but others are, are more specific to the world. So again, it depends what you sell. If you're selling sales training, then probably you, know, you, you, you can be reasonably certain that increasing sales is going to click with anyone that's looking at buying sales training. Whereas different things, you know, different, got different aspects. If you're selling a, a particular software that's used in the warehouse, then the people in the warehouse may look at it differently to the people in the, the CFO. You know, they might be looking at how you implement it, how it affects the layout of the warehouse, uh, how it affects their team size, whether they're going to have to do more work or less work. There's a lot of different things that people think about depending on who they are. So, and again, if you're, communicating with more than one person in an organization, you might want different messages, but A, they're going to be related, and B, you've got to think about the effort of sending those messages that are different to different people. So I'm being horribly generic, I'm afraid, but give me an example. You, you, tell, you, you give me an example of someone you're thinking about. Okay, so I'm selling into a SaaS company. Say it's a $25 million a year company. Uh, they've got a $5,000 product. I've, I've reached out or I want to reach out to them and I'm thinking, okay, so I, you know, I read Steve Hall's book on, on selling into the C-suite. It had all these great ideas. So yeah, I'm sold. I want to sell to a person who can make a decision. I want to make my case. So I'm going to have. Are we talking about you? Are we talking about you selling to a company that sells SaaS software? Or are you talking about SaaS software? Okay. Well. The first question I'd be thinking is, what do, what do you mean by $5,000? Is it $5,000 one-off, $5,000 a month, $5,000 a year? $5,000 uh, a year recurring. So every year, it's a $5,000 cost. Okay. Well, in that case, if they're selling and they're doing how much they're doing? $25 million. 
a year. Okay, if that if it's five thousand dollars a year, five thousand in a in a million is twenty, fifty, two hundred. Sorry, two hundred. So they're doing twenty five million. They've got a lot of customers. They've got yep. a couple thousand, ten thousand, ten thousand customers. Okay, what's the rate of attrition of ten thousand customers? If and if what's the length of their contract? Five years, say. So every Every year they've got 2,000 customers come up to an annual, assuming they do it that way, right? So they've got 2,000. If they've got an attrition rate of, I don't know, 20%, that means they're losing 400 customers a year, which means they're losing, I'm doing these figures in my head, so it's probably right, they're losing $20 million a year or whatever. I don't know the figures, but you get the idea, yep. right? So I would, be to, I would be talking to, who cares about attrition and who cares about, Losing customers. Well, obviously, the salespeople do. Or do they? Are the salespeople tasked on keeping customers or are they tasked on winning new customers? I'd sooner to find out. But certainly, if I'm trying to get into them, I'll be talking to the CEO and I'll be saying, look, in our experience, if you can find out their numbers, great. In our experience, companies like yours have an attrition rate of 20% or a churn rate of 20%, which means that every year you're losing X customers. And it means you've got to do two X customers if you want, if you've got to get to do two X new customers, if you want to want to increase your profits. I can help you to reduce that churn rate to 15%. And I can also help you to reclaim some of those customers, some of those hundred thousand customers that you've lost in the past five years. And if you were to re- if you were to reclaim, if it's a five-year cycle, if you were to reclaim. 20% of the customers you lost five years ago, because you know they're coming up for renewal now, that would be worth X to you. That'd be better. That, that would be the, the kind of message I would, I would be talk, talking about. That'd be a very powerful message for the CFO, for the CEO, and... And, and, for, the, and for the chief sales officer, and for the chief marketing officer. They, they would all like to get an extra 2,000 customers a year, whatever it is. Eat more easily than having to go out and find new ones. Definitely. And, and if they're not incenting their salespeople to renew people, if, you know, I mean, if it's, if they're only rewarded for new business, they might be, they might, when they start seeing the numbers that you've just, you know, those, those often, those potential numbers, they might think, you know, maybe we should incent our customer service people or our salespeople, somebody there to look at that. Well, I've got a plan. I mentioned my client that does that, that sells uh, AP and AO automation software. They made a decision here in Australia to invest in customer service, customer satisfaction people rather than new salespeople. And they go in there and they, because what happens with software as a service, right? What inevitably happens is that you sell it and they love it and they, you know, it's working really, really well in the first year. And then at the next year, the people that love it get promoted or move on. And someone else comes in and they get trained by the people that, 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 they're, that they're replacing. Or sometimes someone leaves and they don't, they don't get trained. They come in and they've got to pick it up. And they take shortcuts and they forget bits and they don't use it as well. And by the end of five years, everyone hates it because no one knows how it works. Right. And so they say, I've got this software's terrible. Now, my client's got someone going in there, training new people, showing them what, showing them new fun features that come out, keeping them up to date, making sure they're using it properly. With the result, their churn is virtually zero, even though it's not mission critical, even though it's comparatively easy to replace. No one is replacing it because it's working well and, and they love it. So 
so so you know one aspect is you know don't lose them in the first place and then the next aspect is you know let's how, how do we win them back and we win them back by well, for the first thing by communicating with them and secondly you've got to give a re- give them a reason to come back and it helps if you know why they left so the other thing is you do you do do you ask them why you why are you in your so a lot of different factors. But, and, if, and if you're not measuring your, your account managers, if you have them, with, or on whether they, their clients leave or not, then you've got a big hole in your bucket. So that company that you're talking about there where the churn went basically down to zero, what was it before they invested all this money in uh, training their customers? Uh, that I can't tell you. It was never it was never dramatically high because the software is pretty good and it works, and it works well and it does a job. But you know, but, you, know you, you you can't afford to lose lose anyone. And they and they just they just roll over the customers. But okay, but certainly, if, you know, the the, the challenge of the, the the only way they lose customers is where one of their one of one of their um, customers gets taken over by a larger company who says you must use this. Right. That's balanced by. Their customers that take over other companies and that say you must use this. So that that's that's a net, a net zero. Sure, and if if you know you're going to get all this positive word of mouth if you've got you know pretty well zero churn, and anybody who leaves your company, they're going to want, like you said, they're going to probably want to bring you in. Or and I've done uh, that definitely. Yeah, that definitely happens. They do have people that go to other companies. Oh, this test was great. You should you, you should use it, and. Also, I'm working with them on a on on a cross selling and referral strategy, and part of that is obviously dependent upon having set happy happy customers that are prepared to help you both internally because they could potentially sell their AR solution to people that are already using AP, and if the people that are using AP hate them, they're not going to not going to help them. But if they love them, they are going to help. It's as simple as that. If you go to if if you're looking at a referral strategy. And there are two types of referrals. You go to someone and say, oh, you're a happy customer. Who else do you know that might want to use our software? Oh, whatever the solution is. But another type is you have a list of people you want to get to. And you say, I want to talk to this company. And you go to your customers and say, hey, guys, you know, do you happen to know anyone in this company? Could you, that, that I can, can I use your name? And if they love you, they'll say, well, as it happens, I used to work with so-and-so or whatever. So there's, there's the two types of referral, and they both depend upon you having people who want to help you. Yeah, definitely. And when you do that that extraordinary job where they they don't only want to help you, or they're actually advocates. I mean, that's that's what, what that's what we're all shooting for. Absolutely. I mean, I think interesting. This company, what one other thing they've done, they've started awarding, giving their customers awards. The advocate of the user of the year, and they have a big award ceremony and they publicize it all. And of course, the people in accounting don't get many awards and things, so they all love it and they become bigger advocates, better advocates. Oh, yeah, people love to be recognized. I mean, how many people in accounting get recognized in, in any way, shape, or form, as you said? Definitely fine. So, we've covered a lot of ground here. Is there something you'd like to leave us with? Mm. No, not but well, but I should promote my promote my upcoming service. Um, I'm I'm yeah. in the process of developing a how to sell at sea level program with Fed Copestake in the UK, and we'll we'll be yeah, releasing that fairly soon. And that talks about everything from the the very basics. The to me, the most important thing about selling is working out who you should be selling to. 
There's a guy called Gary Haldeman, who used to be quite famous for copywriting, and he was a bit of a maverick. But, and, and he used to say the biggest single, single advantage he would ever want when he's selling hamburgers is to have a serving crowd. You need to know who, need, who needs what you sell, who, have the, who has the business issues, the problems, the opportunities, whatever you call them, that you can help solve. And until you've got your target audience right, nothing else works. So it goes everything goes through everything from targeting to which specific people to talk to in in in, in those companies to what they care about, how to do the research, to how to reach out to them, what the message should be, what medium you should use. Should you use the phone or email or LinkedIn or social selling or FedEx or whatever to get that initial meeting, how to handle the meeting and what to do to follow up the meeting. And that will be released relatively soon, I hope. Okay. And we're recording this at the beginning of March. So now you have some context as to what relatively soon should be. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Steve. Greatly appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Dan. Well, well look, I think, you're in a, I think you're in a great area. It is much easier to contact people who already know you exist. It is much easier to win back people who have had experience, too many haven't had a horrible experience, people who've had experience of working with you. Some of them, are, you've heard of buyers regret. There's also, what's the word I'm looking for? There's also regret of loss. And there will be some people who've gone away from whatever it is that you sell to something new, they're going to regret it. And you want to get those people back. Yep. And a lot of those people won't come back on their own because they feel like they've left you. And then, you know, you've got to make them feel welcome again to, to come back. That's, inter- that's interesting you should say that. As we, we've been a local shop run by an Italian family and we go, we, we go there. And occasionally we don't go there for a while because, you know, for whatever reason. And my wife will say, oh, I don't want to go back in there because we haven't been in for a while. And I say, yeah, but they want you to go back in there because they still want you to buy off them. And just because you haven't, they're not going to tell you off for not having been in. They're going to welcome you back because they want you to, they, they, they want to sell you stuff. Yeah. So, and so you're right. There is, there is that, there is that fear that, oh, if we left them and they're not going to want to talk to you, but yeah, yeah, they want to talk to you. They want to, they want you to buy from them again. Definitely. Definitely. So I did forget to ask if people want to learn more about you, find out when, when your course is going to be released, where would they go to get that information? The simplest thing is to follow me on, on LinkedIn. I'm Steve Hall Sydney, or one word. If you look at that, you'll find me. And if I, can, if I have a hashtag, Steve Hall Sydney. And in terms of the program, if you check the hashtag selling at sea level on LinkedIn, it'll be, you know, if you follow that hashtag, then you will see when it's being released. Excellent. And I just wanted to say that I bought Steve's C-Suite book and I thought it was tremendous. So. There you go. There's my little plug, but it's a real plug. I don't plug things I don't like. So no, thanks again, I appreciate Steve. that. Appreciate you coming on the show. Take care. You too.